From Yoga and Ayurveda Living, I am Kelly Marie Mills. This is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers, curators of happiness, and lovers of healthy living. This podcast is for people interested in tools, remedies, and ancient wisdom coming from Yoga and Ayurveda. Welcome to my happy place. This is series four. You are on Ayurveda on karma. Karma nowadays is like butter to potatoes. It goes into any conversation perfectly, leaving the depth of its meaning a bit watered down. Karma in Ayurveda is another turnkey point that helps us to live our rightful life of happiness and contentment and enables us to keep out of trouble. See, yoga and Ayurveda, they really do offer so many different tools for everyone. I do get a bit annoyed when I feel like some people think that Ayurveda and yoga are hippy-dippy experiences. It's so far from the truth, but I do see that perhaps they might find it a bit scary because self-inquiry is difficult, and so pass it off as an experience, rather than a traditional science that offers unique tools of preventative medicine and advocates and has advocated for thousands of years for mental health wellness, for all ages and in all ages, including 2,000 years from now. But if you're enjoying this podcast and want to thank me, just rate the podcast, or better yet, rate and review. And it gives it a little bit more oomph to perhaps get to people that are interested in health and wellness through yoga and Ayurveda. And I really do thank you. The essence of Ayurveda is based on the principle of causation. Not only what we see, but what we do not see is based on this idea. Emotions and thoughts are the cause of peacefulness, separation, and anxiety. Which would you choose if you had the choice? Of course, you know I'm going to say it. Make that choice right now. Go on. We can all decide today to choose a different path just with one simple desire placed into expression and action, then karma begins to play out, cause and effect. Ayurveda and yoga are a bit funny like that, but in the truest sense of the meaning of karma, nothing happens that we did not do to ourselves, and we are responsible for our current condition in life, in all aspects. I hear you saying it, I do. That's pretty harsh-like. But Ayurveda does not go in for any digs. It does go to the root cause. And like I said at the start, about what we see and what we do not see. This is what Ayurveda is most concerned with. If we look at chocolate lovers and how chocolate can be good for us, for many reasons, in moderation, that doesn't mean every day either. And in the higher percentage of cocoa, not the milk chocolate. At certain times of days, it, at certain times of the day, it's good because our digestive power is stronger. But after that, it needs discernment. And there comes a stage where the body starts to kick out the chocolate in other ways if we have too much. And it gives pitta and kapha problems. And if there's way too much cocoa, which is bitter, it will cause a problem for vata. So you see, this is karma. All of these buildups and then the kick out of the excess creates a karmic reaction, cause and effect. So now we under understand, yeah, I can see why that would happen with the chocolate. 
But what if I had like an accident and I didn't ask for this part of my body to be injured? Or I have been born with some difficulty or other? And is Ayurveda saying like, I did something to have this happen? Basically, in short, no. But you must understand the background of the unseen. First of all, there's family karma. And this is like hereditary stuff. Difficulties that our bodies can have a strong propensity to develop as we grow. And then our personal choices, which are probably old conditioned patterns that we have learned from our family, lead us to increase the propensity and then the cause of the problem becomes stronger. Accidents are also a form of karma, but it is about correct timing for the possibility of the accident to happen. So it's a combination of factors and old physical and emotional imbalances are considered karmic. So how we live with what we have is a big lot of karma. Our ability to have sattva, rajas, and tamas, these gunas that I talk about a good bit, really helps us to work with what we live with or to not be able to manage it too well. You can consider grumpiness a karmic personality trait. Grumpy is as grumpy does and grumpy gets what grumpy gives and it's the cycle on repeat. Like, did you ever meet someone who was, in your view, should be very happy? And yet they're always kind of the, my cup is half empty, and they're really always sad about stuff. And yet, from our view, maybe they just aren't seeing things completely clearly. And it would kind of wear on you because you feel like they're just not appreciating their life as beautiful as it seems to be from your point of view, my point of view. And it's like when they come, you just see this dark cloud coming and you're like, oh no, I don't want to be around when this person's coming. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of, I don't know, do you, do you ever, have you ever seen the Peanuts comic strip <laughs> with Snoopy and Charlie Brown? And they have a friend called Pigpen, which seriously is not a very nice nickname, but um, Pigpen comes around because he has, he walks in dust. And I sort of think that the cloud of dust he walks in, it must be linked to a certain unrefined scent of probably some nastiness or other. I always have been thinking about this, and it always bothered me even as a kid. But if Pigpen just made a few decisions, perhaps his name would be changed into Fresh Prince. <laughs> and I know it's a child, and, you know, it's the portrayal of a child in a cartoon, but still, you can relate to... So many things, when you start to look at through self-study and living our life, you just see so many things in the most random, curious ways. And I think curiosity helps us to understand human nature better, which eventually will help us look at our own behaviors with compassion, but also we become better friends. We become kinder at what we do, less push and shove and more knowing that this moment is as it's meant to be. That doesn't mean that we don't have goals to set and we don't have things to do for work, but it does mean that work flows better. So we have this one common view of karma. What comes around goes around. What doesn't pass you by is meant for you. Everything goes full circle, those sort of ideas. There is a deeper karma belief system of life, death and rebirth saying that we have chosen our parents for the lessons that they shall teach us, 
and we have chosen to come into this rebirth with certain past karmas to be faced, so that our soul has an opportunity to experience them and hopefully transcend them to no longer produce karmas or repetitive actions that have not changed. So when we are enlightened, we see that we are no longer limited to the physical or personality mind or action or inaction. We manage to see that as a whole we are undivided and this wisdom is ready available when we stop and wait for it to arrive. The belief of karma that is used more in yoga is about action, inaction, and the right path. We honor our soul or spirit, but may not necessarily hold to the idea of karmic rebirth. We begin to see a unique cycle that only we are related to through the observance of karma. We see that there is a path one so intimate that only we can untangle the mystery of our own wisdom. And here we discover core patterns known as vasanas in Sanskrit. And I have to say, I prefer vasana to a core pattern any day of the week in my next life. <laughs> and vasanas can come from our past lives, but even but they can just come from this life as well, which is pretty wild. But it could be a pattern that we started to do that we hadn't done before. So it's like if you can think of something that you may have started a few years ago that you weren't doing before that. That's a new past pattern that's coming up and it's created a karma. So it could be like discovering that you need to eat gluten-free food because it suits your digestion better. And so for the last few years, you have been discovering foods that work better for your digestion. So this is a new pattern. So you've created a karma for, the, the, for what's called right path living. It means that you're working with your natural rhythm. But one of the things that you can think of is looking back at when you were a child and picking, say, like when you were eight years old and thinking of the happiest moment that you had or one, you know, and then think about when you were maybe in your late teens, think about another moment that stands out as being happy and think, try and connect into that sense of happiness. And what do they all have in common? And how do they connect into your current patterns of happiness? So when you feel that happiness welling up, is it something really familiar? So that is a core pattern of how we live in happiness, this sense of whatever you might find it, elation or excitement, or it might create a bit of anxiety because you don't want to let go of it. Whatever it is, those are things that we learned as a child. And maybe it's not being able to express happiness in its full and complete state. If we pick apart all the parts of karma, we can easily see that everything else, like Ayurveda and yoga, you can get to the tiny molecules, and they all have secret gems to behold and praise. And karma is just another one of those. We can rest with karma today knowing that if we're going to have a coffee, it's another representation of, of, <laughs> of a choice we can make for the right path to health. That's because I haven't had coffee yet. <laughs> it's a choice. We can make a choice for the right path to health by not having the coffee. And we can have full health as much as our body possibly can when we free up the mind's focus from scurrying around to sort out the body and finding ways to navigate old family patterns of childhood so that we can meet the child within with compassion and still expand into our potential without fears, without fears coming from the past. And perhaps you did not have such a past where you had fears and anxieties, but maybe you didn't get to have things always your own way. 
And this would create behaviors and patterns from that. So we all have childhood patterns that come alive as adults, but just might be on the low key. Karma is so fascinating. And you know that it's a pet subject of mine if you worked with me. And karma is of such great benefit to all of us. What is rightfully ours is our karma, and thankfully, we can create the best path of healing for ourselves. What I mean is that we can't heal someone else's broken leg, but we can endeavor to heal our own sore finger. Karma is fantastic. It's the hope against hope. But the modern world used it as a focus of that's why this or that happened. That poor thing, Asher, now you hardly ever hear about her anymore. She worked so hard and sure, that's her karma. What goes around comes around. So we kind of hear the, the sad stories of karma and then we hear the amazing stories of people coming from serious illness or defying further physical deterioration and coming into a life that they dreamed of. Karma, in the end, is a process of self-mastery. I sort of have a vague idea of what that is. I'm still trying to work on myself. And what I do understand is that you need to create a bowl of awareness, begin to watch desire and will. When you understand your desire and will and the sense of surrender, then you develop discernment and you can see your personality mind better. And next part, everything gets a little bit easier. Ayurveda is the long-term remedy to balancing the dosha life. And it's like the pensionable job. You get payback after a lifetime of self-care and mastery. It's not the sort of medicine that you say, you know, take a tablet and see you next month and do your best. Ayurveda gives you back the action of choice-making. It helps you create new karmas, making new choices and decisions. And when you work with Ayurveda, you have five choices that you can decide on. You have nutrition, like how to eat for your dosha, what foods and drinks are driving your dosha mad or absolutely bonkers, and what foods are helping you to sit and disappear into a state of inertia, or what foods are creating a sense of staleness and stagnancy. What foods aren't helping your creative energy? And what foods actually help you become vital once again, feeling fresh and jumping out of bed with energy? Then you have lifestyle, which is what you do that no longer makes sense for this body that you're living in. What things you can tweak to make this body more comfortable? And observing your current habits, what activities can you access to help soothe your doshas into correct balance? What activities are just creating more action over and over or lack of activity of the mind? So it's just that kapha can show up through inertia in all forms. And then there's self-care, which is a big one. So many wonderful practices to add to simple lifestyle programs, connecting into the flow of your life's rhythm. Self-care is very linked to self-study. It's a vital component to the dosha life balance. And at the beginning, it can be hard to create enough awareness because we think we are already aware until we start to learn the smallest details of our doshas. And then we begin to understand the whole process of healing is multi-level. Every time we look again, there's something else we learn. Ayurveda's main work is to make the slow, progressive, gentle changes one small step at a time. 
every repeated activity we do on a regular basis is an activity that either brings great boon or benefit, or brings some form of further difficulty. That doesn't mean that a great benefit or a boon may not feel like hardship. Some of the things that Ayurveda leads you to do are difficult at the beginning, giving up foods that we really, really like, reducing coffee and stimulants. You know, those are all really tough things to decide on. But the benefit within three months shows up, and it shows up really quite quickly after two or three weeks. And there's all these little milestones that you can keep track of as you do the work with Ayurveda. I sort of lumped in self-care and self-study together, so self-study is bringing in the quieter practices of meditation, of journaling, of inner work, and self-care is adding to that how we look after the body through physical means, as in skincare, massage, those simple small routines that help to absorb prana. And then the last one to choose on is activity. What activities would we use to help benefit our karma, to help bring us into full vitality? And of course, yoga is always promoted because it's Ayurveda and yoga and their sister sciences. So one of the things about yoga is that it it bends and folds the body in ways that we wouldn't do on a daily basis. So that's one of its best benefits. But it also, its, its first activity is it pushes out toxins when you do a yoga practice in the morning. So they would be things that we would look at if we were working together to help create karmic paths that release us from our old core patterns that may be stopping us from our infinite possibilities or preventing us from seeing them, which I think is more what happens to most of us. And when we move into self-study and then self-care, nutrition and lifestyle, what we begin to notice is that they're all completely interrelated and there is no way of sitting down for a meal and having done a self-care routine that we wouldn't notice suddenly, probably halfway through the meal, that we actually didn't even chew our food, that we were, we were so hungry having done yoga and whatever else. <laughs> that See, I totally relate to this. That's why I get it. <laughs> that it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be chewing this food so that my digestion will heal. So, you know, it, it teaches, it has taught me to laugh at the habits that just linger on and on and that thing of eating fast actually goes back to when I was so young and sitting around the dinner table. I think I might have told this story before, but um, my brothers, they were always much faster eaters. And so my mom would put out this big, huge platter of hot dogs and in buns, and we'd each get to have one, and then you could have as many as you wanted after you had one. But sure, I couldn't eat half fast enough. And so i try and get the first one in as fast as possible. The boys were already on their second one and nearly threw it. And then I'd end up choking on the hot dog. <laughs> and I think I have never actually been able to slow down my eating process since then. <laughs> so um, when we start to change our karma through Ayurvedic practices, it helps us to come back into balance and create karmas that have only benefit. What is curious then, because I just want to weave this all together, the imbalance of not chewing while I eat is a vikriti or a core pattern that I learned. And so this is a, a karmic thing. Vikriti creates a pattern. 
because vikriti is the covering of our prakriti, and so it hides what's what's my natal constitution. It's hiding it. Because it is a vikriti, it's something that has happened over and over and has masked my natural constitution. So when I begin to clear this karma, release the vikriti over my natal constitution, then my prakriti, my prakriti shows up again. My agony rebalances, and I find the dosha life natural rhythm starts to arrive without me having to do too much. And this becomes my karmic path. My prakriti arrives and shows up, and I create better cycles of health and well-being, self-study, self-care, art activity. That's it. Karma has been released, and I'm creating a new path. So if you're interested in working with me, send me an email at kellyapadoshalife.com. I do want to thank Denise Hanley for all of her constant support and her great review on Facebook. Also to Ellen Costigan, Carmel O'Connor, Joan Dooley for the great reviews on Facebook and Google My Business. It all means so much. These reviews really help bring my work forward and help other people find me. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Here you will find Monday's meditations, Tuesday's episodic series, Friday's relaxations, interviews with very cool people. There's spiels from Kelly, that's me, on bits that she forgot to say, very normal, or has to say. And Kelly's own are surprise bits and things that you need to know. If you want to help, the best thing to do is download the episodes. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all help. Thank you to everyone listening, and let me know if you received anything from this that helped you. I thank the Vidyas who have opened my mind and helped me to bring this information to a wider, loving audience. But for now, I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.